Faithful Deconstruction. I'm Jesse Crickshank. And I'm Roland Smith. And we're joined by a really good friend of mine and a pastor here in town, Greg Lindsay. Uh, Greg's got um, a really moving and incredible story about uh, his deconstruction in terms of ecclesiology, which is a fancy theological word for church and uh, the study of church. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how you've changed your view of faith community and the things that we're trying to do with that. And so I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, so the last episode, um, we talked about how sometimes we have a, a deconstruction where we leave the group and we own our own faith and we come and realize that, well, maybe the things that I believe are not the same things as my group or faith family or tribe believed. Um, but we're going we're gonna to talk about a different type of deconstruction in this episode. And our, as we've been thinking about the Tower of Babel through this entire conversation, you know, if we remember from the text that the people, they wanted to be famous, they wanted to keep from being scattered, that was their motivation, was to be gathered and known by the people around them, known and respected. And when that unity of mind, because the language was broken, when that unity of mind was broken, they scattered and both their fears were realized, right? They're no longer known <laughs> and they're no longer together. Um, and so, it's interesting to me that when we find people who we can communicate with on the other side of that, like they have the same values, we start to clump together and repeat our past success. Like we tried, we clump together and we're like, oh, we're finally on the same page. Let's build another thing. And it's interesting to me that, that God continues to resist that journey. Mm-hmm. And um, interesting, frustrating, some of my own deconstruction journey involved in that, um, but I think about, <clears throat> you know, the people who left, the people who were scattered mm-hmm. from building the Tower of Babel. Like, what did their new life look like mm-hmm. as they were trying to find others that they could communicate yeah. with, as they, you know, tried to repeat and build and, and do what they had known? And obviously there were no other Towers of Babel, so that never worked. But it didn't erase, like this new future didn't erase their past. Like, it wasn't a clean blank slate. They took all of that history with them. And they just had to realize at some point that there was a different assignment. There was something different to life. So I'm just wondering from you, if you could maybe share with our listeners, like, what did it, what did it feel like to realize that maybe you needed to build something different or that, you know, man, I don't, to realize that maybe you didn't know exactly what you were supposed to build. Like, maybe talk us through the emotions that you had at the beginning of your journey there. Yeah. So, you know, I would say that, you know, five years ago, six years ago, this probably would have been the last place you would find me sitting and the last conversation that I wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't like the word deconstruction. I wasn't comfortable with it. Um, But we got to 2017. I've been at the church I'm leading now for almost 15 years. Mm -hmm. We got to the end of 2017, and we'd experienced some some great growth. We'd been in fastest 100 growing churches in America for two years in a row, and then, so I guess the trigger really came in 16 when God said, "Don't don't submit your numbers this year for that." Hmm. Ooh. And I told our church, I said, "We're not going to do it," uh, even though when I saw the numbers when they came out, we'd have been there again. Something in me just said, "Check in your spirit. Don't do that." And so we didn't do it, and it was hard for me because hmm. I. 
I wanted to do it. It was uh, some of that was motivated by great things, growing the kingdom. Some of that was motivated by healing my own pain, my own wounding, and all that. So, hmm. so there was this kind of warning shot across the bow for me. <clears throat> we got to the end of 2017, and and I'll never forget. It was end of November. I was speaking on a Saturday night, and I looked out, and I thought, man, there's a lot of people here this weekend. Um, ended up end of the weekend, we were just shy, 30 or so people short, short of, of three, breaking 3,000 people on a normal weekend, non-holiday weekend. And it felt good for about 20 seconds. It was hmm. like, here we go. We're going to break 3,000, next milestone. Here we come four, here we come five. And then something just, something clicked inside of me that says, oh, no, hmm. um, what are we building? And, Mm. um, and it just, these people with all due respect to everybody that was there at the time, uh, these people are consumers. Um, we had, because my own story, we'd created a very safe environment where your story's safe, no matter how it reads, that's still true to this day. Uh, but it was a consumer spectator mentality. And my thought was, wow, they don't really, these people don't really know what it means to um, take mm. up the cross and follow Jesus. And part of it's because I haven't really taught it. I haven't pressed in. And so beginning of 2018, I started to even preach differently. And we started to challenge people to really mm-hmm. get in the game. Yeah. And you're not a spectator. You know, you carry the kingdom too. So what we saw happen before COVID ever hit, which, you know, it wreaked havoc on us too, is we lost about 500 plus people a weekend. Our attendance started to decline. It was gradual, but deconstruction started to happen. So I had that moment. And then somewhere around that time period, I, I could go back and look. I met a guy named John Peterson, who's an amazing mentor voice in my mm-hmm. life. And he started using the word deconstruction with me. And I was uncomfortable mm-hmm. because here's the thing. I thought we could do the both and thing. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. I knew I needed, we needed to grow people deeper. There, there's more to it than what we're bringing to people. I thought we could preserve this. I was trying to figure out a both and strategy. Mm-hmm. How do we continue to grow the thing? And and do this at the same time. And what I found was they they can't coexist. But when when I start, first started having those conversations with John and I loved him, uh, totally uncomfortable with the word pushing back on him. I remember him saying, Greg, subtraction before multiplication. And I was like, Whew. because it was gradually happening. It wasn't like, you know, mm-hmm. one week mm-hmm. I looked up and there's 500 less people. It was a gradual. Mm-hmm. We started losing people. Yeah. And so I was, I was really kind of putting my, trying to put my toe in the water, but still wasn't comfortable with the word. And when I think about what God's done since then, the last five years, it hadn't been a comfortable journey. Hmm. It just, it just hasn't. Right. I mean, that's, that's the interesting thing about that. The second type of deconstruction is that it's much more slow, right? It's a little by little, we start to interrogate the values that we have and the fruit that we produce and being like, actually, what is happening here, right? The yes. fruit of my life, the things yes. that I, I believe in, in the systems that sometimes we build or we participated in. And it's not like we wake up one day and, you know, have the shocking moment. It's, it's a really slow process where, you know, if the first one we're deconstructing what the group knows and this one we're deconstructing what we know. And that, I think, is scarier. It is. <laughs> and it was all I'd known. I mean, I grew yeah. up. You know, not I grew up as a trial attorney, you know, and for 10 years before I became a pastor, but grew up in a mega church that in back in Kentucky where I grew up. And mm-hmm. all I'd ever seen was up and to the right. And, you know, when I left that church to go plant a church 20 years ago now, it was 21,000 people meeting in one campus. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing. I don't mean to knock the church, but I, that's all I'd known up and to the right. And that's mm-hmm. what 
that's what leading a church is supposed to look like. And that's the path that I charted out for myself. And, and it was working and, and I was comfortable with it. Very comfortable. But I started to get uncomfortable. Real I mean, quick. Talk, talk a little bit about, um, I mean, because we as pastors, when we have that, that feeling, that mentality of we, wanna, we want the church to grow, not we want to grow our church, but even, even if we approach that in a healthy way, we want the church to grow. Absolutely. Some people attach their faith to the thing that we're, we're building mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yes. Um, and without discipleship and te- the teaching like you were talking about and those kinds of things, that, that babble, metaphorical babble, becomes right. the identity right. that gets built. And so when that starts failing, what do they have left? So, like, what are you're shifting this right now? I mean, I, I know the story. And so you continue to shift the story of Discovery Church mm-hmm. to something different. So what are you deconstructing in the structures, and how are you helping people see that their faith is not attached to that structure? Yeah, so I, you know, the short answer is, um, you know, John Eldridge's work in Wild at Heart and, and his other work really has saved my life, my marriage, my family, mm-hmm. my ministry, all of that, and I can't give enough credit to that. But so when I thought, when God said to me, hey, we're going we're gonna to do ministry differently when we come to Colorado, uh, I thought I knew what that meant. And it was story and people's stories and what's happened to them and been said to them and said about them is critical in spiritual mm-hmm. formation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a critical part of discipleship. It's not just mm-hmm. your sin and the things you've done, but it's the things mm-hmm. that you've experienced. But Jesus wants to bring healing into all that. So I thought when, when God said, we're going to do this differently, that's what he meant. And so I was good with that. <laughs> and we were building a mega church on that. Yeah. And then this thing happened. And what I started, the whole idea of being a sent people started yeah. to come to the surface for yeah. me. Uh, my mentor, John, gave me a book. It was called From Mega Church to Multiplication. And I read the story. And I mean, bless his heart, Chris, the guy that wrote it, he, he made a decision, much like what we're talking about, and a church that was more than 10,000. Uh, you talk about deconstruction, it's a story. And it scared the crap out of me, honestly. I mean, I, I started to read that, but, but God started to hook me on. There was something to it that just was so true. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still in that battle of, yeah, but can I preserve this? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and what I really discovered was I can't, we can't. And, and so we started to walk into not only let's take up our cross and follow Jesus, but you're the, the sent people stuff and what mm-hmm. God's doing in other parts of the world that we're not seeing here in America and, and so we started to, discipleship started to come to the surface, and mm-hmm. really, you are a sent, a sent people, and, and then more people exit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, so we're, we're in the middle of, and I have to say this, I've got great elders, great leaders in our church who are, they happen to be really good friends of mine, but they're not yes men. They, they ask me hard questions and push me they've journeyed very closely with me in all of this and mm-hmm. been a sounding board for me and have, have really welcomed what's God putting on your heart and where are we headed and, and what do you think and praying together and all that stuff. But so now we're headed towards deconstructing once again and trying to, to break down. We've got a building, you know, we're not a, we're not a wealthy church. We've always struggled with finances as a church and giving, we reach a lot of people who are far from God and, and just who don't show up and automatically give. And so 
we started looking at things and we realized one of the most underutilized assets that we have, the most underutilized asset is our building. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, 65,000 square feet, old grocery store, totally gutted, remodeled, great place in the city, not too far from here. And we're like, and I'd had this vision when we first moved into the building eight years ago, but couldn't really get the team excited about it. But I said, this building is sitting dark and empty way too often. How do we make this a hub for the community? So long story short, mm -hmm. Friday of last week, Discovery sign has come down. It's going to move around the corner to where our offices are. And mm -hmm. we are now the COS City Hub. If you drive by it now, you'll see that that sign. And, you know, mm -hmm. we're talking about, we, we know our city's saying we need preschools in mm -hmm. the city. We need event space in our city. Our city's growing pretty rapidly and there's not near enough event mm -hmm. space. People are going to Pueblo to have events, mm -hmm. uh, co-op workspace, coffee shop in the lobby, conference rooms, access to those, concerts, events, you know, that... So we have, we're totally reinventing the building itself, which is deconstructing for some of our tribe. And, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we had a vision night last month. Mm -hmm. I announced what we're doing. I put a picture up, and the sign hadn't changed yet, but I put a picture of our building with the new sign on it. And it was the weirdest crowd dynamic I've ever spoken to because mm -hmm. half the crowd was losing their mind cheering, and the other half was gasping. You could hear it. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and, and so there again, it's like, yeah. wait a minute, this is our yeah. church. No, it's mm -hmm. a building where our church happens to meet. So we're the church now that meets at the hub. Yeah, we own it, but it's a community outreach. And, and so what I told our people was, listen, we're not only sending you out, saying get out there mm -hmm. and, and live out your faith where you live, learn, work, and play. We're inviting them in here. So if you're going to be a part of this tribe, either way, we're going we're to we're interact with people. And so mm -hmm. the deconstruction continues. So if, if discipleship is a journey of identity and deconstruction is a transition in how we form that identity, what are some of the key things that have changed in your identity mm. as a child of God, as a person with an assignment that, uh, you know, I, I believe we all have a missional assignment. Mm -hmm. It's just different, you know, places that we're sent to. Yeah. So you, you've sent, you're sent to the church, yes. right? So mm -hmm. you're sent to ecclesiology. But how, how is your identity, both as a minister and a child of God, changed in this hmm. that's a great question you know and i know you've done a lot of work in this area jesse um i have come to realize that uh being a pastor shepherd is a part of who i am i don't think it's primarily who i am hmm. and i think um you know leading and shepherding a tribe of kingdom people when when pastor is not the primary thing on mm -hmm. you and this is something i've discovered in the last five years too that the the whole you know, yeah. entrepreneurial apostolic thing on me can create problem. We were at a staff retreat uh, back in August and I was sitting there and we were doing some story work in a group. We, we divide up in groups and pour into each other and do story work. And it came to me all of a sudden, I've been leading this thing for almost 15 years. It's like, Greg, people don't like change like you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was like this, those earth shattering moments. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, I told our staff that they're not, they're all busting out laughing. Like you're yeah. just now getting that. Right? <laughs> He's finally like saying, it. here's this change. Let's go here. And yeah. so, but you know, I think that to answer your question, uh, so my identity not being in being a pastor or a shepherd, um, kind of God taking, working with me in that, you know, identity as a beloved son is a, is a part of my journey. And John mm -hmm. Eldridge's work is all about identity and who we yeah. are in Christ. And, and being a beloved son. and But the example is, so God keeps de deconstructing everything else I'm trying to build and find my identity in. Mm -hmm. um, I was with uh, John, my mentor, a few weeks ago, and I was lamenting about, 
you know, how the fundraising was going for the city hub vision and, and all of this stuff. And he just looked at him and he's like, mm. and that's what he does. <laughs> and he goes, Greg, I want you to get to the point where you're just settled. You're at peace yeah. because you're a beloved son. And if God's given you the vision, which is clear to me that he has, he's going to fill it. He's going to fund it. But I want you to be in a settled space. And what I realized was driving home from that meeting is and all of a sudden it came to me that what I do is I said, yeah, 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 I'm a beloved son. I'm good. I'm good. Mm-hmm. But then things happen or don't happen in the story that leave me feeling so unsettled. Now, as a leader, I realize I got to lead with strength and confidence and I and I can't say, oh, my gosh, the money's not coming in or whatever to the people I'm leading. And it's not I'm not being phony. I'm just trying to lead them with strength. But on the inside, I get shaky. And rather than resting in, Jesse, resting mm-hmm. in, I'm a beloved son. What I do is I wait for the next good news and then I'm OK. For example, mm-hmm. somebody calls me and says somebody just gave ten thousand dollars towards the city. Hub. All of a sudden, whoop, hard reset. I'm good. And now I can be a beloved son because the circumstances are mm-hmm. favorable. Right. And so I'm just like, externally, I don't carry myself that way. But internally, it's this up and down battle. And it's just like, no, pull your identity away from how it's going and all that. And just mm-hmm. rest in who I've created you to be, who you are. I'm giving you this vision. I'm going to fund it and fill it. And just just be be at peace in that. I'm still I'm still on. Well, I just want to ask a real quick follow up question because yeah, when I went through this yeah. deconstruction, I was also leading a ministry. I was also you know one of a co leader of the ministry, and and I was really struggling on whether or not God answered prayer. Like, did yeah. He do anything that I ever asked Him to? Because yeah. He wasn't like I was just like, why do I even pray? You're going to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And I spent three years leading a ministry but not praying. Yeah. And I was I felt very hypocritical. I yeah. mean. God and I were close, sure. but we weren't talking, sure. or at least I wasn't talking to him. Sure. So I felt his presence, and I knew he was around. So it wasn't like I had disassociated from God, but but I was definitely having this like background crisis of faith while I was leading the ministry, and I felt like a hypocrite, right. even though the Lord didn't let me leave. You know, like I wasn't out of, I didn't feel like I was in the wrong spot. So sure. without with. <laughs> By asking you to be vulnerable, I was going to say, without asking you to be too vulnerable, but in order to ask you to be vulnerable, like, tell me a little bit about some of the things that you've kind of had to carry as as, um, you've walked through this that might surprise some people, or at least name some things that would give people hope that that those things that they're walking through aren't really bad or, you know, a sign they're going to hell or that they've lost their faith, like not misinterpreting a struggle in faith with a loss of faith. Yeah, I, you know, my journey with God is, you know, I haven't, and this is not, I'm here, you're there, anything like that. You know, I, through this journey, I haven't stopped praying. I haven't stopped mm-hmm. seeking. I mean, we all have seasons, I think, where it's mm-hmm. more dry than it is others, and our rhythms aren't, you know, necessarily what we would love for them to be or what the church says they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, um, in this journey, um, you know, I crashed and burned in ministry, and that's a long story. We can talk about that another time. But a part of this was I had a lot of church hurt, a lot of pastor hurt, and a lot of a lot of words that came to me. You'll never be in ministry again. If you're ever in ministry again, God will never bless it. So I got all that baggage when I come to Colorado. I call it the time two orphans found each other because nobody really wanted me to be a pastor. And this tribe was a failing church plant of about 80 people that was mm-hmm. five and a half years old and was trending towards disaster. And um, 
so so a part of the journey for me still is I've always I've always had I've had to fight for almost 15 years now that you know I'm pastors in my title but there's an asterisk beside me and it's that yeah God God barely let me back in to ministry and that you know my assignment is less than and mm-hmm. so when hard challenges come and and we take bold steps towards a different vision or steer mm-hmm. something all the challenges that that come with that, and they they do come, uh, become. It's hard for me not to personalize that, yeah. and um, and it's just like, of course, you know, this is what you should uh, expect. And so, so there's beloved mm-hmm. son, and then there's beloved son asterisks, and and that's that's my journey. And I think John called that out in me a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Still, is like this. We still got work to do, mm-hmm. to work to do yeah. uh, on this front. But um, you know, questions and doubts and fears and and um, having a lot of friends in ministry who cast vision. And, you know, the thing that came after me really hard uh, when I was lamenting with my friend John was, you're just not a vision caster, right? You, you just, you don't inspire people. You don't inspire kingdom things to move forward. Mm-hmm. That was the assault on my heart on that particular day, which, and then because of my story, it's like, yep, that's true. That's right. true of who you are. And so, but it just feels like, to me, it feels like everything, and we're doing it intentionally because we believe this is where God's leading us. But it feels like there's still a sense of unraveling, like things are, mm-hmm. to some extent, spinning yeah. out of control. Yeah. And and measurables are are getting taken out of play. And mm-hmm. I find so much comfort in yeah. me- what yeah. I can measure. <laughs> yeah. And I think what God's teaching me in, in this is that... Um, you know, he's leading me to a place where we can't measure, we shouldn't measure, we shouldn't even try to measure. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I read a book that I read, and this, you mentioned it earlier, that in this process that messed with me. And I know Dave Ferguson, uh, hero maker, that a friend of mine said, man, I read this, I thought about you. And I don't know if he meant that in a good or bad way. <laughs> uh, because, you know, there, there's, but I realized, and it scared me. Mm. It really scared me because I realized that um, because of my story and other things, I've been trying, uh, you know, up till 17 anyway, was trying to be the hero. Yeah. And and so now looking at the relationships that I have, I have a pretty young team, but, you know, pouring into them, it's, it's mm-hmm. becoming more and more simple. Mm-hmm. But everything that I thought it was going to be, and I'm not getting any younger either. And so, <laughs> you know, you're turning up into the right and you're getting older and you're like, mm-hmm. great, this is going to get to this point and uh-huh. I'm going to ride it out. And then boom. And then you get in your late fifties and you start making these decisions. I don't make yeah. them on my own to blow it all up. And, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, COVID hits and 2017 and us starting to teaching, te- just following God, what he's asking us to do. It's cost us. Lots and lots and lots of people, mm. um, and so wrestling with that and getting older and like, what am, what, what am I, what am I doing? I mean, it's, uh, yeah. But it's, I'm guessing, I'm guessing from yep. what, for a little bit, from, but from knowing you and talking yeah. to you, mm-hmm. like your vision of where you're going with this particular faith community yeah. that God's given you, yeah. maybe is sharper than it's ever been. It is. Mm. So it's it's interesting, and and we were talk, when we talked with Toby in a previous episode, Pastor in Denver. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he was talking about it was it was a little bit like walking out of the bounded set into centered set kind of mm-hmm. thinking. It gets messy. Yes. And Toby was saying, you know, we're just as pastors, we're just going to have to be comfortable with messy with with yeah. people that are deconstructing and yeah. and these generations that are coming up. And and I 
you know, I was halfway there. We were comfortable with Messy to the extent that, you know, when you when story becomes a central piece of your church and people's stories are welcome there and they really believe that, the, the trick is they bring them. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is a total <laughs> show. I mean, it is, it's a mess. And so yeah. we were used to walking in that. And I thought, this is messy. And then we got to 2017 and I, mm-hmm. under, I started to understand, you know what? You're right. And I don't even know what messy is. Every day it seems like it gets redefined for me. But my comfort level with that is growing. Well, I mean, it seems so like the, the irony was as a church staff and our structure we're not messy. We have we have a foundation for you to bring your messy story to. Exactly. Now it's hey, we're messy just like you. Yes. In in a different way. So I mean, you, you've got an institution that's deconstructing and inviting deconstructed people to kind of walk in and figure out. It's your, like moving from the Jesus. big beautiful yeah. hospital to a field hospital. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I've like, always called us a mess unit. Yeah. You know, I didn't. Mm. I didn't intend for my my story. Um, my crash and burn to be so public. But when I got to Discovery in 2008, I found out two days after I preached my first sermon that they hadn't told the church my story of crashing in ministry. Mm. So I said, we got to do that sooner rather than later. I did it in my fifth week and half the church left in the next three months. I didn't intend for that to be the thing, but then my story was public and it's been ever since. And so people come on the weekends like, we like this. This place is safe because that guy right there, he screwed up just like me. So staff-wise, we may not have lived it out to the extent we could have of messy, but it's always been a a thing there. I think it's just continuing to be redefined Mm -hmm. uh, in the journey as we go. So for you as you're moving forward, you know, because there's deconstructing and there's reconstructing. There's the things that we're leaving behind and the things that we're moving towards. And, And I think you've shared a bit about what you're moving towards, but what are you kind of over like, like, what are you just really ready to leave behind you? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not, <laughs> Roland, it's, it's funny. Yeah, Roland and I disagree <laughs> on some things. Uh, I, I'm not That's ready, great. I'm not, I'm not ready to let go of our hazers, our fog machines. Uh, you know, oh. um, um, <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. There you go. <laughs> but all that to say, you know, um, but the weekend to me, I mean, what I was built a part of building hmm. and the weekend was what was most important. The, the weekend experience was what was most important. So that has changed. Uh, it's not. And I'm saying that. And now we still try to be excellent on the weekend. The thing about our weekend experience is because of the safe place that we are and stories out there and it's public. And I, I feel like we live out, it's a mass unit. And so there's rescue happening on the weekend. So it's an important piece in my mind. It's just the, not the most important piece, which, which takes us to, you know, just, just really gravitating. I think one of the things that have caused Roland and I to really connect over the last couple of years is, you know, this whole idea of being a sent people. Mm-hmm. That, that's, nothing, that's something that I never embraced. I mean, because in, in reality, if I'm being honest, I need you to come to us on the weekend for help because we can get you what you need. And there's a dependence on this thing that I'm trying to build so yeah, invite your friends, you know, and so and type, yeah, yeah, because I need both you yes. and your money, you and your money. So <laughs> so the whole come and see thing. I even yeah. joked about it in the last year, one week when I was preaching. I said you can go out there somewhere in cyberspace and find me preaching a message on come and see, because mm. it used to be a core value of mm. our church. Had a friend mm. leads a great church, big church, and growing church, and they had come and see. I like I like that. Let's do that. So I've, there's a message out there somewhere by Greg Lindsay on come and see. And the whole idea of go and be, um, 
we've really started to embrace that. And so equipping people to do that, you know, we're connected and partnered up in Pando with Roland and what they're doing. Uh, we're doing some DMM stuff. I'm going to Africa next month to see where the gospel's exploding one person to another in the Ivory coast of Africa Yeah, with a pastor friend of mine in Kansas city to see, to see what's really happening. That's the direction. That's the direction that we're moving. And uh, there's a piece of it that is just not comfortable for me. Because it's it's foreign it's foreign ground, but it is fulfilling. It's it's rewarding. I love it. I'm seeing hearts come alive. Um, I'm seeing less people on the weekends. I mean, right or wrong, it's not as fun to speak to 400 people as it is to 800. Hmm. It's um, and, and maybe that's part of the brokenness that still lives in me. But um, but we're on the we're on the right track. Hmm. Uh, really teaching our people how to live this stuff out, um, you know, not give them a formula or, you know, and, and being willing, willing to walk in this organic, not linear path because everything yeah. in me wants to yeah. make it a linear, mm-hmm. give me the five-step plan yeah. and we can run the play and just to, to walk in the, with the, in the wildness of God and, and what he's got for us. So, you know, um, but, I, I, you know, it, it, it's funny because my mentor said, John said, Hey, I want you to stop measuring yourself against yourself. So I haven't arrived. Because okay? what he catches me saying, but man, five years ago, this would have train wrecked me. And mm-hmm. here I am. I'm better. And, and I am. I'm, I'm continuing yeah. to walk with God and, and get better at this stuff. But I've got such such a long way still to go as a leader. Uh, and we we have such a long way to go mm-hmm. still as a church. So I feel like we're just scratching the surface of what, what it's going to be. Well, Greg, I, I mean, I want to thank you for sharing with us because I think this just really illustrates that the reality of this second type of deconstruction is that we have to face the truth that we're not as cool or as unique as we thought. And that our mark upon the world, you know, to be a single handled world changer is, is just not realistic. And it's actually not God's goal for us. Right. So we have to embrace the reality and reconcile ourselves to the truths in Ecclesiastes. Right. I've seen it all fade away. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. And all I know is that I have to love the Lord on the other end of that. So just part of that deconstruction. I mean, so my hope is that through you sharing this, that people who are walking through this deconstruction can see, oh, it actually doesn't mean failure. The enemy and myself will tell me that that, that it's failure, that all of this is a result of failure. I haven't succeeded in my calling. I'm not worthy of my calling. You know, all of those lies that come in to diminish us, but really God's just actually changing the metric yes and so my hope is that people would feel okay with that yeah so i mean what's what's your hope roland you know i think out of this conversation well i have a selfish hope because we're working together now and i'm <laughs> excited about this city hub uh mm-hmm. community space and so uh, you know i do i do share a hope uh with greg that this that god will help this thing flourish that we can you know walk with god in this and um, and reach more of our community. I, you know, I think as a conversation, I realize that different people are going to be listening to this or watching it. And, you know, some are individuals going through deconstruction, but some are pastors and leaders um, that are, are listening to this. And I, and I hope they hear your heart uh, and that big shift from trying to build Tower of Babel to, to build something that may be a little bit messy, but it is more participatory in the yes. kingdom. Yes. And and I loved how you said just embrace the wildness of God. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? What's your hope? Why why are you sharing your story with us today? You know, I, I um, 
Because I, I, I think the short answer is I totally, I totally believe in the word word now. Deconstruction. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing the fruit of subtraction before multiplication, mm-hmm. um, even though I didn't even want that to be in the realm of possibility for us. Um, you know, it's like addition leads to multiplication. That's that's the formula that I was that I was working. Um, it didn't work, uh, but there's 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 life. I'm experiencing life in ministry like I never have before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been this for doing in ministry now for over 20 years. And um, it's, there, there's a richness, there's a freedom, there's a joy. I feel renewed passion. You know, I, I, I have pastor friends who coming through COVID thought they had five, seven, ten more years in them. And one of them, you know, Easter's is last weekend. Um, two or three of them have said, I'm out in two years. I don't have that. I mean, because of this experience, as painful as it has been, God has reinvigorated me for the kingdom mm-hmm. and showing me th- things that, that look differently. Um, but um, I'm excited about the future of the church. I, I, I think everything that God needs to do something crazy good with the American church is still there. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be measured by, you know, mm-hmm. tails and seats on any given weekend in buildings across the country. But this... This is the this is the right conversation, and as painful as the process has been for me, it's something now that I'm able to embrace and actually see the fruit of. So I'm ex- I'm excited about I'm mm. excited about this conversation. I'm excited about what God's doing uh, in the world, and and uh, I want to see more of it here yeah. in our city. So. Well, Greg, thank you for being with us. Really You're appreciate welcome. you coming and sharing your story yeah. with us, and and inviting us into your journey. Thank you for tuning in for Faithful Deconstruction. As a listener to this podcast, we wanted to make available to you a free download entitled Six Questions of Faithfulness. They are questions that help you both honor God and the journey you're on. You are not alone and you're not lost, even if it might feel like it. Go to whoology.co for access to our free resources today.